turn that shit off. Welcome back to Less Understanding, people. I'm excited to be here today. Do you know why? It's fucking Groundhog Day. You goddamn right, it's Groundhog Day. February 2nd, you know what that means. That means in a segment of Question Everything, we're going to find out a little bit about the history of Groundhog Day. And I know, boys and girls, try to contain your excitement. It's very exciting shit. And yes, we are going to talk about the movie because, let's face it, that's the only good thing about this fucking day. The other good thing is winter is halfway over. That's right, it is the halfway marker for winter. Now, the spring equinox is March 21st. The winter solstice was December 21st. We're right in the middle of it, motherfuckers. We're right in the middle of winter. That means the end is near. We're on the downhill. We are on the downhill of winter. And I'm going to say it for all of us, especially here in Ohio. Go fuck yourself, winter. Just do it. Just go do it. Okay? We don't like you. Nobody does. Nobody likes winter. What do we compare winter to? The last years of our life. Well, those aren't fucking fun. Nope, and neither is fucking winter. Cold all the goddamn time. Shivering. Can't get around. Hell, no wonder we compare it to the last years of our lives. Anyway, it was a little bit of a somber note. Welcome back to the show. It's been a little while. You know what? I went back in the archives. The archives of less understanding. And I found my pilot episode. And I thought to myself... Self, did you ever release that pirate? Pirate. pirate. <laughs> I stole it. I, yes, I released the episode right after I stole it from my booty. I'm a Scottish pirate. Yep, you got me. No, but I thought, Self, did you ever release the pilot episode? You know, the first time you flew on the podcast airwaves. And it was so smooth. Did you release that? Nope. You know why? Because it kind of sucked. You know, but everyone since then, well, it's not the greatest shit, let's face it. It's just a way for me to talk for about a half hour to 45 minutes straight. Sometimes I share some music with you. Sometimes I don't. I cuss a lot or curse, whatever the fuck one you want to say. But I I, I share my feelings on things that are happening in the world. Things that I think you might think are important. Sometimes those things aren't the same as what I think is important. So I say, fuck what you think is important. I'm going to talk about what I think is important. Because this is my podcast, motherfuckers. That's how it works. If you've been tuning in, you know that's how I roll. But also I walk. I don't roll because, well, that's how... It's how I do it. It's just how I do it. But hey, anyway, getting back to my previous statement, I realized that today marks the one-year anniversary of the birth of less understanding. Give it up, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calm down, calm down, calm down. Hey, I appreciate it. Hey, it's been a long year. And we've gone through some rough patches together. You know, a year ago, I did the same thing. I said, I'm going to talk about Groundhog Day. What a perfect day to start a podcast. Here we are again. We're going to talk about Groundhog Day again. That's a theme, you see. Because much like the movie Groundhog Day, we're going to revisit that day again. 
and again. Not really revisit it, but hell, I might release the podcast pilot here on Less Understanding on iTunes a little bit later this week. Hell, I might release it with this one, just so you guys can hear the clunky start to what became what it is today. And it's not a great story. No. It didn't get really that much better. It didn't improve that much. Although I will tell you the first day I decided I was going to pluck some news headlines and I was just going to talk about those and make fun of how dumb they were. Uh, Some of it was pertinent information. The rest of it, well, it's kind of stupid. I do not remember back then what was going on with the, the political world. I'm sure I got into that. I didn't listen to it all. But I just realized, though, one year, and you know, I think we're like somewhere around 17, maybe 16 episodes. There are 52 weeks in a year, and I decided that I was going to do this once a week for a year, and there were a couple months there where I slipped up and I did one a month. And that's just how it goes. I'd like to get on a regular schedule, but, well, unlike the people that can go to protests at the drop of a hat, yeah, this is a shot at you, I have a job. I have to go to work, (laughs) okay? I can't just go do shit. I can't, I'm not free to do whatever the fuck I want because I have bills to pay. See, they send these bills in the mail or to my email. So I guess still in the mail. It counts. They send these bills in the mail and then I have to respond with money. And that's called paying the bills. White Bill Cosby. Yeah, so it gets in the way sometimes. You know, I pay to do this. I pay SoundCloud about 15 bucks a month for an RSL feed just so I can upload the words that I'm saying and my audio. And then in turn, I joined iTunes and iTunes said, okay, your podcast is all right for us. And uh, they didn't like say, oh, it's great or anything. It still has no ratings. But hell, man, I, I started last February with the pilot on my MacBook Pro and then so I will admit, if I, if I do release it, you're going to notice a little bit different entrance um, as far as the music goes. But fuck, dude, it was nice. I liked it, I, but I can't find it on the app I use. And I kind of like doing the old, uh, the old uh, rock and roll guitar entrance, you know, a little retro rock. I think it's what it's called, retro rock guitar. <laughs> I don't know. It was royalty free. I was like, I'm just going to pluck this and use it for my own. And I like it. I really do. But the other entrance was pretty sweet. Not gonna lie, but all it was was me reading news headlines and pontificating on what the fuck they meant or why they were worth fucking talking about. I don't know. Much like now, I mean, except now I just bring up the shit and I, it's not as as uh, I don't know, like it's not as mundane or monotone. Where I'm just, oh, uh, this is the news headline and this is what it says. Let's discuss. Yeah, back then I was NPR. I was National Public Radio. (laughs) Okay, and next on the podcast, we're going to have our uh, special guest, the Democratic National Committee Chair, uh, Rob Portman. Yeah, that's also a guy who ran for governor of Ohio. So, yeah, stay tuned. And that makes you want to stay tuned, doesn't it? You know? It does. It's very interesting shit. But yeah, we're going to learn you a little bit about Groundhog Day today. We're eight minutes into this. I've just been rambling off at the mouth. That's what I do. Someone asked me once, hey, how do you talk for 30 minutes straight? I'm like, hey, how do you shut the fuck up? Because I'd like you to do that. 
Yeah, that's what I said to him, because that's how I fucking roll. I'm a dick. All right? Now, but seriously, we're going we're gonna to get into it a little bit today. Now, this is a topic I wanted to bring up, because this happens to me on a daily basis in the job I have, okay? Now, I work in a field that has people of different, uh, I want to say backgrounds, but different skill sets. What I mean by that is someone might be an expert in an area that I'm not, which is nine times out of ten the case. I'm really good um, at, at uh, you know, finding answers for people when they need it. I'm, I'm resourceful as a motherfucker is what I like to say. I use my resources. That's, that's my bread and butter, if you will. That's my game, dog. When you come to my court, it's, it's resourceful arena because that's where we're playing. And that's what I do. But time to time, you'll get people saying, you know, the phone will ring. That's the fattest my ringtone, actually. Um, hey, uh, such and such, this is such and such. How can I help you? And I'm like, yeah. Um, uh, not, I'm like, I'm sorry. There, the customer's like, uh, is so-and-so there? And I'm like, no, uh, so-and-so happens to be at uh, another uh, branch today. But I can give you the number and you give them a call over there. Well, maybe you can help me. Yep. I have a feeling if you're asking for him, I cannot, but go ahead. You know, that's what I want to say. I can't say that. i got to be professional. But here's the deal. So if you call me and ask for someone and I say, you know what? He's not here today, but he's at this branch. I'll give you the number. You give him a buzz over there. Why don't we just stop right there and go, okay, I was looking for him in the first place. Thanks. Give me the number. I'll call him over there. Is it that hard to hang up the phone, click, and dial 10 more digits? Is it that fucking hard? Because apparently it is. Because 90% of the time, this, that's what happens. Well, maybe you can help me. <laughs> I fucking doubt it, but let's try. <laughs> like, and, and I can't. And nine times out of ten, I have to have them call the person they were intending to call in the first place. So what we essentially did was, and I'm not worried about my time. I'm getting paid for my time there. I mean, I'm not doing anything better. But what we essentially did was waste another two minutes of your time and still got no further toward the answer. But you insisted on staying on the phone with me. Well, maybe you can help me. What is it in the human brain that makes you go, you know what? I already dialed this number, so I might as well try to work it out with this number. And then secondly, I'm offended because I'm not your first choice. You asked for somebody else. Now you're going to settle for sloppy seconds. Well, fuck you, okay? I mean, if I could help you, I would. I'd love it because I'd love nothing more than to get your ass off the phone. I really would. I'd love to get your ass off the phone. But I can't help you. So do the logical thing. Take the number, hang the fucking phone up, and call the guy at the other place. Not that difficult. But for some, a bridge way too fucking far. It's fucking annoying. And I'm sure you go through it too. I know you go through it. You have to go through it. <sighs> if you work with people long enough, you, st- you start hating certain trends. And you, but you notice them, but then you start really fucking hating them. I'm like, God, I fucking hate this every time someone calls. <clears throat> Man. Had to get that off my chest. I mean, it's just fucking annoying as shit, isn't it? Annoying as shit. But that's all for that. (sighs) Anyway. Hey, let's roll into another segment that uh, we all know and love dearly.
Politics. All right, welcome back. I'm the king of segues, and we're here to talk a little bit of politics. Now, I know what you're thinking, Travis. We've already heard enough about President Trump. Isn't that funny? President Trump. Commander-in-chief. Commander-in-chief, I'm going to be the best president you've ever seen. I'm tremendous. I know people. I love the people. He signed executive orders, uh, some of which included the uh, initial steps to be taken to build a wall. It's going to be a tremendous wall. It's going to be just, it, the wall's going to be huge, the likes of which you've never seen before. He's going to build a fucking wall. We're going to keep all the Mexicans out. He even said, I think, in, in like an off-the-record interview, what we're going to do, Mexico's not only going to pay for it, okay, they're going to build the wall, but, it, but they're going to build the wall for us, and then we're going to tell them, hey, on the last 10 feet, just go ahead and cross over, build it from the other side. We want to make sure it looks okay. Guess what? You're not getting back in. That's what he said. Why? I don't know. And another off-the-record uh, off interview, I think he was heard saying, you know, and if they want to stay on this side after they're done building the wall, I'm making the face while I'm doing this too. I know it's not the greatest impression, but come on, it's so much fun. You should try it. If they, want to, if they insist on staying on this side or if we miss some, uh, once they're done uh, laying the last brick on top of the wall, we're going to go ahead and give them a little bit of assistance with our feet right on the ass there. We're going to kick them back over the wall, okay? And it's going to be tremendous. They're great people. They're going to work with me. They're great people, you know? Yeah, he's building a fucking wall. Doesn't keep out airplanes, though. 40% of them, I think, travel here. On, and when I say them, I'm not trying to be like a dick and be like, hey, them, yeah, the fucking Mexicans. No, but 40% of the immigrants travel here by plane anyway. I don't, I don't understand why. You're not going to keep the planes out with the wall. But We're going to build a radar system every time a plane comes. Sir, we already have a radar system. We're going to build a better, a bigger, better wall radar system. And any time the plane crosses the wall, boom, laser beams, done. Knock it out of the sky. It's going to be tremendous. <sighs> All right, sir. Yeah, so we got that going on. People are pissed about that. Like, he's fucking racist. He wants to keep out illegal immigrants. Think about the first word you just said, bub. Illegal. Yeah, but I, every president has talked about it. Bill Clinton had a whole speech about how we, had to t we have to tighten down on illegal immigration. It is hurting the American economy. And I, for one, want to work to make a better more profitable America for the hard-working men and women. Hold on. Hey, is that Melania? Damn, she's fine. Anyway, I'm sure he didn't say that as part of a speech, but he did. I'm paraphrasing. He's saying, hey, we have to <laughs> fucking run into the door. We have to tighten down our grip on illegal immigrants. You know why? It's hurting our economy and we, we're uh, good men and women are out of work and blah, blah, blah. Now, when he said it, it wasn't racist because he's a Democrat and Democrats are allowed to be racist. Okay. All right. <laughs> but when Trump says that it, it's fucking racist, it's racist as shit. Hey, Trump's like, we're going to build a wall. Bernie Sanders is like, he hates black people and he hates Jews. Okay. I'm going to send everybody to college for free. I know illegal immigration. Uh, I'm going to send all the immigrants to college. It's going to be free college. We have to get the education and the young people are the future. Well, no shit. You're not the future, you old bag of bones. Shit. <laughs> anyway, no, but <laughs> I am horrible with 
that shit. It's so much fun, though. You have to try. You have to try it. All right. This is my last day in office. I want to make sure President Trump has a successful transfer of power and a peaceful one. That's a horrible impression. Ah, I can try them all because they're so much fun. I talk to myself so often, but there's so many different voices. Anyway, executive action. We're going to build a wall. Okay, the next one. We're going to put a ban for 90 days. No, these Muslim-majority countries that support terrorism, no, you're not getting in. He turned fucking planes around and shit. People are up in arms about this shit. They're up in arms. It's like, Trump's banning these Muslim countries. This is fucking bullshit. You gotta let these guys in and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, fucking after 9-11, we froze the same way, you know? And I'm pretty sure Obama did it at some point too. But it's really racist when Trump does it. And I get it. It just depends on which side of the aisle you fall. And when you get your information from just one source, you only hear it one way. When you get it from another source, you, you know, you kind of expand your views on it. I try to look at stories, uh, as many of the same stories I can. Like my favorite thing is to do is to go on. My favorite thing is to do. My favorite thing to do is to go to Google news and I'll see an article and I'll be like, okay, this is what their headline is. Okay. Well, let me go to like Huffington post. We all know that they're incredibly libtardious and there, and I say that with the utmost respect, liberals are retarded. They are, they are, but so are. So are conservatives. They're all retarded. They label themselves. I'm a conservative. Good for you. You're fucking retarded. I'm a liberal and I believe you're retarded. Moving on. No, but, you know, Huffington Post says this. Washington Post, they're the worst. They're the, they're, I think they're almost, <laughs> like Huffington and Washington Post are like brother and sister, but they're really close brother and sister to the point that it's like, if you watch Game of Thrones, you know what I'm saying? They had a couple kids together. Might be the king. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's fucking weird. But anyway, incredibly liberal, but I'll read their articles, and you can see the, the underlying tones. And you go to Fox News, and they're incredibly conservatarded. That's a word, too. See, I'm going to get to both of you, because both sides of the aisle are fucking equally as dumb as each other. And they won't listen to shit you say. Like, how dare you? I'm a conservative. How dare you call me retarded? What are you going to do about it, bitch? Huh? Shut the fuck up. You going to complain about it? The liberals are like, I'm just going to hold a protest. You shouldn't use that kind of language. It's hurtful. No, it's not. Wait, to you? Are you retarded? Like, are you mentally ill? I mean, I'm saying you are, but I don't know. If, if you are, well, then you shouldn't be offended because you won't know what I just said. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, I'm a dick. I'm sorry. Fucking liberal retards. Anyway, I can't stand it. And this, this, the, the point I'm getting to, protesters are sweeping the nation in numbers and they're basically destroying everything they're using this as an excuse to break the law throw rocks and shit at police that happened during the inauguration which was stupid i think we talked about it on the last podcast and and uc berkeley myo yiannopoulos the the staunch conservative speaker was about to do a speech on campus and i don't like it was uc berkeley and it was like 150 masked people come out and interrupt a protest. And then all of them start fucking launching Molotov cocktails and setting off fireworks at the police and fucking busting out windows at the student union. I'm like, this is your protest? No, these are just fucking stupid little kids 
wanting an excuse to fucking break shit and break the law. They're throwing temper tantrums. And what's got to happen is they need to get smacked in the fucking face. That's the only thing that stopped me when I was a kid. When I would do something and throw a fit, as it were, I'd get my face fucking slapped. I stopped throwing fits. They said, well, we don't need to conform. No, there's a peaceful way to do it. Not breaking out windows and starting fires, you stupid fucks. All you're doing is basically letting us know, number one, you're fucking retarded. Number two, you don't believe in the shit you preach about because you're the biggest hypocrites in the world. Oh, we want tolerance and free speech and we want to be able to say what we want to say. Um, and we're protected by free speech. Well, guess who else was the dudes, the dude who was going to speak Milo Yiannopoulos, he was going to speak and you're trying to shut him up in the name of free speech. You are trying to quiet someone who doesn't agree with you in the name of free speech. Do you understand how hypocritically fucking retarded, stupid that sounds? I'd imagine you do because you're going to college. You're college educated, which makes you better than me. Because I don't have a college degree. So you're supposed to be a lot smarter. But are you? No. No. Because we don't, we don't teach our kids respect anymore, I don't think. No, when they cry and they want something, we coddle them. We, well, we just don't believe in hitting our children. That's what got us into this situation. I'm not even that old. I'm part of the, I'm like an old millennial. I am, I'm part of this fucking stupid ass generation. Thank God I had parents that weren't fucking hippies and decided to fucking beat my ass when I did something wrong because I'm not out there protesting. No, no, I gotta get up for work. I could go make money, you know? But these fucking kids in the streets just fucking throwing shit. They remind me of my, like my little daughter, like, you know, I, I, she doesn't get her way. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know? I don't say that to her. Sometimes I do. She doesn't know what it means. One of these days, she's going to shut the fuck up, daddy. <laughs> shut the fuck up, daddy. That's going to be her. Sorry. <clears throat> Can't get that high. Yeah. Oh, protests are sweeping the nation, though. That is. Trump's causing some fucking trouble. I'm telling you that much. Yeah, he's he's definitely... Stirring the fucking pot. And it's hilarious to me. Now, not being a huge Trump supporter at all, myself. Um, and when I say not being a huge Trump supporter, I do support some of the shit that he says. A lot of the other shit, I think, you're just stupid. <laughs> like, I'm going to have investigated. There's been voter fraud. That's why I lost the popular vote by so much. Like, dude, you won the election. You won the electoral college. You're the president. Just leave that shit alone, you know? You won. Why do you have to do it? It's his ego that's making him do it. And, it's, and I see article after article talking about it on the Democratic side. And I'm like, you know what? I can agree with this because, I, I mean, it doesn't, take a, it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to figure this out. But, yeah, just leave it well enough alone. I mean, you're the fucking president of the United States. You won the election. Get the fuck over it. It's stupid shit like that. I'm just like, why? How did this happen? You know? But I'm driving through my small town today, and we've got this little satellite school. And I don't know, it's just like a little college. I went to a couple years of college there. I didn't graduate though. You already heard me say that. But I went, I went a couple years of school there and they had people out on the corner, like out by, it's, it's a pretty busy road that runs in front of it. It's kind of like, it's like a highway, but it's not, you know what I mean? But it's busy and it's right down through the middle of town, you know, a big strip. 
and you got your McDonald's and your Wendy's and your Burger Kings and shit there, your Taco Bells. Mmm, Taco Bell. They put shit in Doritos and it's delicious. Anyway, but I, I peer over and um, there's a bunch of kids with fucking posters. And when I say a bunch, I mean, it's a huge crowd of like 25 or 30 people making a huge difference. They got these huge signs talking about uh, something, something immigrants. I don't know. I didn't have time to read the signs and I don't think they thought it out well enough because when you're driving, see, you want to pay attention to what's in front of you. And when you look off to the right, you can't pay attention to what's in front of you that long. Well, really at all. Um, so you're basically driving blind. So I really couldn't look at their posters and see exactly what the, I just saw immigrants in big letters. And I was like, okay, college campus, campus immigrants. There's a few people out here. A couple of them have long hair. Look like they're going home to a bong hit later tonight. I'm going to put two and two together and say they're saying something about Trump stupid for banning immigrants or whatever. Or not banning immigrants, but, you know, building the wall and, and banning, you know, Muslim these seven Muslim countries, you know, coming in. You get the point. I'm going to put two and two together and because I can do that in my brain say, that's what they're out there protesting. <clears throat> they have immigrants in big letters. And I noticed one thing. I'm like, all your signs are written in English. Now, I'm not trying to be a dick, but, you know, I know that on one side, you're trying to tell the American people, hey, we support immigrants. Okay, but the people you really want to love you to make you feel special because you're out there doing this new hip and trendy thing, which is protesting, the people you want to love you so much, well, they don't read and write in English. So... They can't see what you're saying. So they're not going to love you that much. They just know you're out there and you're supporting them. Look, I know I'm giving these kids a hard time, but in this small of a town, you're not making a fucking difference. Go to class. Go the fuck back to class. You know? Go the fuck back to class, please. Educate yourselves a little bit better. That's all I'm saying. <sighs> That's it for politics. I'm done with this. Let's, let's do something to... To pick up the beat, we're gonna we're gonna play the outro here, um, but I've got we're gonna learn about Groundhog Day next after after this quick message. Just kidding. Politics. All right, that was politics, you know, because we have to do it every once in a while. We have to talk about this bullshit. I'm tired of it. Hey, something to make me happy. Before we get into Groundhog Day, something spectacular is happening this Sunday. That's right. Badass commercial day. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Super Bowl. And hey, we just so happen to have a less understanding correspondent down in Houston for Super Bowl 50, whatever the fuck it is, 50 something. Let's go live now to Jimmy Football. Hey, Travis, it's Jimmy Football down in Houston. I'm here. We're going to watch the football game. It's about to be the Super Bowl's times. And we're here in Houston live with the New England Patriots and the Hotlanta Falcons. Now, I heard word that Ludacris is down here. And he has already told Tom Brady to move, bitch, get out the way. Now, that being said, that being said, 
It's going to be good Super Bowls. It's Super Bowls 54 or something like that. I've lost count back at 30. I've cracked open a few Bud Lights today, so I hope this is going to go over good. Now, listen. Excuse me. We're down here because Tom Brady's is about to play against Matty Ice. That's right, Matt Ryan. Now, Matt Ryan is the MVP of the league. Everybody knows that. He's thrown for more yards for the football. And Tom Brady, he missed first four games of the season. Now, his team won almost every one of those games. And then he came back, and then they won almost every one of the other games. So, Tom Brady's going to like his 900th Super Bowl in the last 10 years. And that is an amazing feat. But something weird down here to try to figure out is how the rest of the country is adjusting. Because we have New England that's in Boston. And Boston's on the East Coast. And then we got Hot Atlanta. Now that's in the Dirty South. And for those of you who don't know what the Dirty South is, please go look up any Lil John record. And he'll tell you, What? And you got to say, what's the Dirty South? And he'll say, what? And you got to say, what is the Dirty South? And he'll say, okay. And then you know what the Dirty South is. Now, also heard, <sighs> excuse me, also heard that Usher is here. Now, some people know him as Usher. But I would like to say one thing. I would like to say that that dude can dance and he can really dance. And he had a couple good albums, and we all love him. He's a great actor. So, I'm really torn because Marky Mark is from, uh, and I'm talking about Mark Wahlberg and the Wahlbergers guy. He is from Boston, Massachusetts. Now, he's a big Patriots fan, and he loves him some Tom Brady. You know who else loves him some Tom Brady? Well, her some Tom Brady. Giselle Bunchon. Now, it, for those of you that don't know, she's that Brazilian supermodel from Victoria's Secret. I found out the secret. It ain't so secret. Show me some skin. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, back to the story. We got a quarterback with supermodel girlfriend playing against Mac Ryan. I don't know what his girlfriend looks like, but I'm sure she's pretty. He's got a lot of money, and he's a good-looking dude. We got the Atlanta Falcons versus the England Patriots. Now, me, as a red-blooded, blue-blooded American, red, white, and blue, all of them, I think uh, I have red blood cells and white blood cells, but I'm pretty sure there's some blue blood cells in there. Now, that being said, I bleed red, white, and blue. I am a patriot, but not in that sense. Now, if you can't tell by my accent, I am from England. I'm just fucking with you. I'm from the South. Now, we all get down South, and we love us in football. And me, excuse me, being from Alabama, Roll Tide, War Eagle, all of them. Now, I love both the teams. I know it's weird, but, you know, you got to do that. Now, me being from the South, you think I'd be sporting Land Falcons. Now, I'm a little disappointed that the Dallas Cowboys didn't get their ass up there. Now, you can ride high in the saddle all you want. Now, they got Zeke Elliott from the Ohio State University, one of love, and he ran all the way into the playoffs, and he's like, man, I got this team on my back. And then D Dak Prescott from Mississippi, right next door to us, you know, he was a quarterback, and they were both rookies, rookie backfield. I was rooting for him hardcore, you know, because I don't have a dog in this fight, Michael Vick. 
That's right, motherfucker. I ain't forgot about that shit. You fucking asshole. Anyway, long story short, I'm going to go with the Falcons in this Super Bowl, and here's why. Because they're going to win. Now, I like the press conferences. They always ask the coach, what's it going to take to win the game? Now, for me, I'm a simple kind of man. If I was a coach of the football team, you ask me that question, I'm going to give you a straight answer. And what you're going to get is, hey, Coach Jimmy Football, we think it's going to take to win this game. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the only answer that they should ever have to that question. Jimmy Football, what you think it's going to take to win this game? Well, I'll tell you right now, son, we're going to win this game as long as we score more points than the other team. And that's a God's honest truth. Now, you can take that to the bank. Atlanta Falcons, Super Bowl 50-something champions, they're going to score more points than the England Patriots. And the consolation for Tom Brady, he used to go home to that hot, smoking hot wife, Giselle Bunchon. All right? I think she's some kind of Spanish or something. I ain't, I ain't quite sure. But, you know, anyway, reporting live from Houston, Texas, it's been Jimmy Football, Atlanta Falcons, Super Bowl 50-something champions, if not New England Patriots, Super Bowl 50-something champions. Either way, we all winners. We're going to watch some commercials, and we're going to get to see Lady Gaga at the halftime show. Now, me personally, I might tune out from the halftime show, take a little Miller Lite break, you know. Maybe some Bud Light. I ain't sure yet. Don't really like the Bud Light. Kind of tasteless. Miller Light is too. Maybe we'll go with some Coors Light. Who knows? Maybe we'll represent the West. Either way, back to you, Travis. This has been Jimmy Football Live from Houston, Texas at the Super Bowl. All right, Jimmy. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Hey, <laughs> uh, I can't wait for Super Bowl Sunday. We got to see those Doritos commercials, those Budweiser commercials. You remember, you remember the what's up? What's up? Yeah, that. You don't remember that? I remember that. The Budweiser commercials with the frogs. And then here lately, all the commercials have gotten so sensitive. It used to be commercials were like, we're going to sell our product, we're going to try to be funny. But now it's like, we got to cater to the new America, you know? The sensitive America. we got to show a bunch of Clydesdales running around with a puppy. And then they help the puppy find his mom. And that's what commercials are now. That's what they are. <sighs> I don't know. But anyway, Jimmy, football live from the, the Super Bowl. Um, we're going to come uh, right back with a little... Uh, question everything because we're going to teach you about Groundhog Day and then we're going to get the fuck out of here. All right, we're back on Less Understanding. We're here on Groundhog Day. It's a midway point between winter and spring, spring and summer. Which one do you like better? Spring. Obviously, it's spring. But hey, you know, we're here to teach you a little bit about what it means. Sorry for the noise in the background. I had to turn the TV on mute. Hey, uh, so Groundhog Day, February 2nd. Where the hell does it come from? If you're like me, you're a little bit curious and you want to discover a few things. You know, I spend my days wondering why. And that's what this segment is all about. Why? Let's question it. 
Let's ask the one question that kids always ask us and annoy the shit out of us with. I'm about to go through it with my daughter. Why? Why, Daddy? Why? <laughs> anyway, uh, Groundhog Day. More than just a movie. Bill Murray's greatest movie? Eh, it's debatable. I love it. I think it's up there with the best. So, Groundhog Day, to the unfamiliar, um, is probably one of America's weirdest traditions. So, what do we do? Well, we per, we pull a large furry rodent. That's right, a rodent. You know, much like a rat or a hamster or something like that. We pull him out of a cage. It used to be out of his hole. Well, we pretend it's out of his hole. Um, the big celebration it happens in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. And it's right near my neck of the woods. I've never been there, but I kind of want to go there. You know, it's uh, said that right after the 1993 release of the movie Groundhog Day by Bill Murray that they saw crowds unprecedented, upwards of 30,000. The movie brought that many people in, and I think that's a good thing, but it's also one of those things that lets you know that the human race is kind of stupid. And here's why. (sighs) Because a movie happened... Everybody liked the movie, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, this is the hip new thing to do. Much like we talked about the protesters. It's the hip new thing to do, so let's do it. But anyway, so the origin of this story goes something like this. Early Christian traditions in Europe, clear up to the 19th century, started with something known as Candleman's Day. Now what this day was, it was the halfway point between winter and summer. And what would happen is the clergymen would bless candles and they'd basically um, base it on superstition, but they would bless candles needed for winter because winter was a dark and desolate time back in the day before electricity and they'd distribute them to people after they blessed them. Now, superstition would say if the day was sunny and clear, people could expect a long, rough winter, even though they're halfway through it. Anyway, bear with me. But if the sky was cloudy and dark like it was most of the winter, (laughs) then they could expect warm weather would arrive soon. Now, here's my thing. To hell with superstition and all that, but if the day is sunny and just beautiful in the middle of winter, and it's not going to be beautiful in the sense that it's going to be, you know, overwhelmingly warm, especially in the Midwest states like Pennsylvania or Ohio, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. But if it's sunny, it's a good day because the sun's out. And we all feel better when the sun's out. It's just that kind of thing. It's kind of like seasonal affect disorder, if you've ever heard of that, where people get depressed during the winter time because it's gray and cold and just desolate. Well, they're saying if, if this day isn't like every other day in winter, then we can expect more winter to come. How much more? About six weeks. Because, well, that's what's left of winter. But if the day is gray like every other day of winter, to give ourselves something to grasp onto, we're going to say, you know what, we've, we've seen a lot of gray days, and today is another one. But the good news is, spring's right around the corner. Well, to me, the eternal realist slash pessimist slash whatever the fuck you want to call me, I'm not really trying to focus on the negative. I'm just trying to be realistic here. We got six more weeks of winter no matter how you fucking stack it up. (laughs) 
So really what this holiday represents is a chance for us to do something to take our minds off of how shitty winter is right in the middle of all of the shit. <laughs> That's all it is. But yeah, it started with this tradition called Candleman's Day. Now, there were a couple of poems written about this day, um, such as like the old Scotch poem, If Candleman's Day is bright and clear, there'll be two winters in the year. No, there won't There'll only be one winter, but you can say we're halfway through winter, so there's going to be another winter after the one we've already established as winter. So I guess in that sense, there are two winters if you want to break it up like that and be an asshole. Another one says, if Candleman's Day be dry and fair, the half a winter to come and mare. If Candleman's Day be wet and foul, the half a winter's gone at Yule. Basically what that means is, hey, if it's a shitty day, we ain't got much more of them left. If it's a great day, probably going to be shitty for another six weeks. Either way, (laughs) spring's going to be here in six weeks. March 21st is the spring equinox every year. No matter what the rodent says, no matter his meteorology, meteorology experience, whatever that may be, no rodent is going to predict any more winter than is already on the calendar. Now, we know with global climate change, global warming, some people want to say it's a myth. It's not. It's obvious. We're halfway through winter here, and, well, we really haven't been that cold yet, and it's like the second year in a row, but this year is kind of weird because, well, hell, last weekend it was like 60-some degrees in Ohio. I mean, it was warmer here than it was out in California in the morning, like Southern California. So we know that no matter what the fucker says, we're in for six more weeks of winter. And it's just depressing. But it's a chance for us to celebrate. And any time there's a chance for us to celebrate in the middle of this shitty fucking season, I'm all for it. Hell, I think I'm going to have to make the pilgrimage to Punxsutawney next year. Visit Phil. See what he has to say. Now, that being said, We're going to move on to some of the more fun points of Groundhog Day. Here's, uh, over the course of uh, Punxsutawney Phil's appearances, which started in 1867, if uh, you historians out there wanted to know, uh, over the course there have been some pretty funny things that Phil has said. Now, when I say Phil has said, obviously groundhogs cannot speak to human beings because we do not speak the same language, but... We can interpret. And here's what some of them interpreted. Excuse me while I take a swig. During the Prohibition era, Phil threatened to impose 60, 60, 60 weeks of winter on the community if he wasn't allowed to drink. Now, I know I just took a swig, but I'll drink to that. That's my dude. I'm all for that. 60 weeks of winter. If that doesn't make you want to drink, I don't know what will. Anyway. So Phil's been known to be a little political. In 1958, in the midst of the Cold War, he announced that it was a United States Chucknik rather than a Soviet Sputnik or Mutnik that became the first man-made satellite to orbit Earth. Now, Phil would know because he's a groundhog and he obviously has inside information on space travel. I'm not going to argue that. 
1993, as I've mentioned before, Columbia Pictures released the movie Groundhog Day starring Bill Murray. Let's talk about that for a little bit. That's one of my favorite Bill Murray movies. Now, if you haven't seen it, basically what happens is Bill Murray plays Phil Connor, and he travels to Punxsutawney to cover the festivities at Punxsutawney um, for Groundhog Day. And they all gather, everybody, every year, Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, to see Punxsutawney Phil. What will he predict? Will he see his shadow go back into his hole for six more long weeks of winter? Or will he not see his shadow and stay out, signifying that spring is just around the corner? Now, Phil is a weatherman slash newscaster in the movie. And basically what happens is he goes to Punxsutawney and he's a very assholish type of man. And he ends up waking up every single morning to I Got You Babe on the alarm clock at 6 a.m. And basically, for an unspecified amount of time, keeps reliving the same day over and over. Now, it's a very metaphoric movie, in a sense, and there are very many... Uh, theories on what's going on here, such as the Buddhist theory that he is just reborn every day because that's a huge part of the religion. Um, the the Judaism uh, theory that he was put there to make good and make right because all things on earth should be perfect. I, I, I'm paraphrasing, I don't know for sure, but it goes on and on and on. But basically he relives every day over and over. He goes through you know, a depression spell where he kills himself over and over because he's just so tired of it all. And then one day he wakes up and realizes, well, I have all eternity to do with what I please, although it's the same day over and over. So he starts helping all the people around the town because he notices patterns and what's going to happen every day. And it's, it's a great story. I think it's one of Bill Murray's best films, if not his best, his very best. Very underrated comedic performance um, by one of the greatest comedic actors ever, directed by Harold Ramis. If you haven't seen it, please see it. I've seen it probably, I don't know, over 20 times. Heck, I just DVR'd it today. The first thing I did, I woke up, I said, hey, it's February 2nd, it's Groundhog Day. I go on the TV, I'm like, which channel is showing the marathon? It just so happened to be AMC. Obviously, I set up a recording. <laughs> but it's a great movie. and involves a lot of people. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, so that's one of the great things about Groundhog Day. Now, are there going to be six more weeks of winter regardless? Yes, but it's nice to have a little bit of a celebration in the middle. Say, hey, we're halfway through winter. Winter's almost done. In fact, we're on the downslope. We've made it halfway through. It's like that old saying, how far can you walk into the woods? The answer is halfway, because once you get past halfway... You're now walking out of the woods. <sighs> and we're walking out of the woods for winter. And I'm happy about that. Because damn it, if I don't want to have a summer barbecue. <laughs> I want the sun to be shining. I want it to be 75 to 77 degrees. It's the perfect amount of degrees. I want a cold beer in my hand. A hot grill in front of me. 
I want some Johnsonville brats. I want some T-bone steaks. I want some big burgers. Ready to have cheese melted on them. You know? I want all that, and I'm thinking about it already, and I know you are too. I can smell it now. I want to throw some horseshoes. I want to hang out with my family. I want to do the things we love to do. But in the middle of the midst, in the midst of this desolate, gray, dreary time we call winter, if we can have one little thing to celebrate, when I say let's fucking do it, how about you? Anyway, I'm Travis. This has been Less Understanding. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I know uh, last podcast I introduced you to Aaron Watson. I talked about the concert. Well, a little over a year ago, I went to his first concert, and there was this guy that opened up for him named Sam Outlaw. Sam's from California. He discovered country music a little bit later in his career. He was an advertising exec, and he decided to uh, take the leap and make a career change. He decided he was going to get into music. And his love for country music shines through. And I'm going to play you a song by him. Then I'm going to play you a song that I discovered because of Sam Outlaw by another man named Jason James. Now these are both modern country singers, but not in the sense that you would know them. They're no Luke Bryan or Florida Georgia Line poppy bullshit. They're true to what they are. Sam Outlaw is a little bit more Bakersfield country influenced. You know what I mean by that? It's kind of like Dwight Yoakam, uh, Buck Owens, who was the originator. Um, it's that California country. It's that, uh, I don't know, western city country. It's that desert country kind of sound. But the thing I like about Sam Outlaw is he always includes a steel guitar, and that's one of my favorite instruments in country music. And then Jason James, well, he's just a good old country boy that reminds me of George Jones. And if you don't know who George Jones is, you don't know country. He's one of the greatest country voices, artists of all time. Not just in my opinion, in everybody's opinion. One of the greatest. Yeah, George Jones, Merle Haggard, and Johnny Cash. Those three, and, and Hank Williams. Those four. Those are the four musketeers of country music, if you will. Those are the four horsemen. They are the beginning and the end. They are everything that personified what country music should be. And all four of them had different sounds, but man, they were just the greatest. Anyway, so we're going to play a little bit of Sam Outlaw. Now he has, this this uh, song is just a fun song that I liked during the concert. and I actually got to meet Sam Outlaw, and I know I've talked about this before, but he's a great guy. I mean, he took the time to sit there and talk to me. Now there was nobody else in line, so it wasn't impeding on anybody. And it was right before the uh, main act of Aaron Watson, and... Everybody was in there gathered around to see his opening, and his opening started, and I just continued talking to Sam because he's just a cool guy, and I talked to him about his influences and what he liked about country music, and he just he just seemed really down-to-earth and really cool. And Anyway, I really like him, and I want to get his music out there, and you can download him on iTunes. Just search for Sam, S-A-M, Outlaw, O-U-T-L-A-W. And because of him... And following him on Facebook, I found an article about the uh, not-so-mainstream top country charts. And I found Jason James, and this guy is younger than me. And 
I mean, this guy keeps it more old school than anybody. I mean, he's, he does a lot to sound like George Jones. I mean, he doesn't try to imitate him, but you can tell that the influence is there. And he's a guy from Texas, and you know I love Texas country. So I hope you enjoy both of them. It's Again, it's Sam Outlaw first and uh, Jason James second. And you can find them both on iTunes. Just search their names. Download their music. It's worth a listen. I appreciate you guys spending time listening to the podcast. For anybody who does, you can always send your questions, comments, suggestions uh, to my email, lessunderstanding at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook at Less Understanding um, or Facebook.com slash Less Understanding, I should say. Or you can tweet me uh, on Twitter because that's where you tweet, isn't it? Hashtags and such. You can tweet me on Twitter at Less Understand. At Less Understand. No I-N-G because Twitter wouldn't accept it. Anyway, it's been your host of Less Understanding. And I want to thank you for stopping by. Now, enjoy some good old country music from Sam Outlaw, followed by Jason James. She left me without warning, and I was shaking. So you dragged me to the bar to drink it all There was whiskey and women What were you thinking? Don't you know friends don't let friends drink And fall in love Wasn't looking for a new love my heart's still aching Trying to make some sense of the love I'd lost But when the whiskey started working Guess I stopped thinking That's why they say friends don't let friends drink And fall in love up to someone I don't barely know I thought I was in love last night The whiskey told me so Well you left me in that barroom Drunk and flirting
nothing but a memory Why I never took you for the two-time and kind But now you've got me swallowing my pride One shot at a time I've been drinking more Since you've been loving me less Where you are tonight Is anyone's guess So to hide these tears And drown my sorrows I'll sit right here Where the lights are low And liquor flows Someone speak your name He's sitting right next to me Doing the same old thing I could pretend That he ain't talking about you But staring me in the face Is a hundred and one proof That I've been me less